0: Welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 110. This is for Saturday, the 21st of July, 2018. Now, no writing this week, obviously, because I've finished so many lines. It's sitting in its digital drawer, and I'm basically waiting to see if I make any cash from this BookBub promo that I've got coming up at the end of the month, because I'm looking to that to fund the edit, and then, touch wood, I can release it October-ish, probably towards the end of October. So, no writing this week, just a week of bits and bobs, really, which I'll report to you now. And I think the main uh, bit and bob this week is actually for the first time trying out Kobo Promotions. So you'll know that because I've got this BookBub, the reason I got this book bub was because I went from being on KDP Select, so only listed on Amazon, to going wide, which means I'm listed on Barnes & Noble, Google Play, uh, what is it, iBooks it's called, isn't it, uh, Kobo, I think those are the main ones, and also obviously Amazon, but not exclusively to Amazon. So that means I've put the books on Kobo for, well, three months I've committed to because I've I've signed up for all the bits and pieces that they offer you on Kobo now because I want to give it a try. And this week, I've been in two promotions. So just to give you an update on my promotions, whatever what have I done? I've got quite a, a tally already. Um, so far, I've had four promotions declined. So I've tried the Double Daily Deal twice. I think that's quite competitive. So I think it's a bit like Kobo's version of a book, probably just have to keep trying, I think, till you get in. Um, so, oh, no, I've been knocked back three times for a double daily deal. How dare they? So, um, yeah, three three double daily deals knocked out, for, And then also, um, Don't Tell Meg was knocked out for the free page editor's pick for Mysteries. But, again, I they always just say there's no particular reason for it. I think it's just luck of the draw. So you just keep going. I've got two pending. So I've got Dead of Night in for the Summer Price drop sale. And then I've got Don't Tell Meg in, um, oh, I've got it in for another uh, free page editor's pick. They've all got weird titles, I'm afraid. And then I've got two active at the moment. So I've got one fatal error in the free page mysteries and thrillers list. And I've got Don't Tell Meg, it's literally just gone live today, is in something called the Beach Read sale. And you've got to put uh, uh, box sets in that. So I've got the Don't Tell Meg box set in that sale. Um, So the box set, I haven't really got, I have made some sales already. Uh, I'll talk to you about it in a moment or two, Uh, but I haven't got a lot of data because I think it's literally just started uh, as I'm recording this. But One fatal Error, and I have got some interesting results on. And um, if you remember One fatal Error, I've kind of been very good at writing and releasing books, but but because Don't Tell Meg really has been, it's a trilogy, it's selling well, it's the one that I'm making the money on. I've kind of written all these books, these standalones, Um, And I haven't really done nothing with them. Um, because Don't Tell do doing better. You know, the one I wrote in 2017 because it was a trilogy is doing way better. So I've kind of stuck with that one. I've stuck where the the easy income is, if you want. Um, so in many respects, this is really the first time I've done anything with one fatal error, which is appalling, really. Um, You've heard me mention Paul's f- flop it out technique. I, did I hear speaking the other day? Oh, well, somebody was talking, I was in a podcast mastermind. I've just, I've literally, I've just come back in the last half hour from Peterborough where I've been on a podcast mastermind. I heard somebody, I thought I'd have to trademark this. He he said I've he just released a podcast and he called it the Plop Out system, which is probably slightly more negatively visual than mine. I'll stick with Popis Out, I think, but he said he'd done exactly the same thing, which is, you know, I launched the thing, but I didn't do anything with it. And that's exactly what I did with with my standalone thrillers really. They're all kind of good to go. Whenever I move my butt decide to do something with them. Um so this is the first promotion that One Fatal Error has had. So it's been on promo with uh Kobo for uh, it must be about six days maybe uh, you know a couple of days now and I've got rid of 396 copies of that book 396 copies now I, I, this I find very interesting because if I go into the costs I can't remember what I paid for this let me just check the costs of it I think it was three quid yeah so I paid three quid for that promotion and I've got rid of um, nearly 400 copies of that book. So I think that's very interesting to compare that with, say, Free Booksy, or one of the, the many uh, free book promo sites that you can get. So this is not really BookBub I'm comparing it with, but I'm, I'm comparing it with things like Fussy Librarian. I'm just trying to think of them off the top of my head. The ones that we all use that are cheaper than BookBub. And I have to say, I think that's That's very comparable with uh, a a promo site, but I'd have to pay more to get rid of 400 books um, on a promo site. So I'm just trying to think of the prices, but it would be at least, I think it's fair to say at least $20, $25 to do that so I think for well, I'll round it up to 400 books but I think 400 copies is good now it's, it's more copies that I've done anything with with um, one fatal error because as I say I just released it and nothing ever happened with it I didn't Don't think it's ever been on a promotion or anything so I'm very happy to have got rid of for the princely sum of three sorry three pounds uh, I've got rid of um, as good as 400 copies and of course in each of those copies I've got promos to all of my other uh, thrillers. So it's completely early days for me with Kobo. I haven't got a clue. I, you know, I haven't got a clue. I've just literally listed my books on there. Uh, but I will report back to you. But that that feels good to me. If I compare that with how I normally get 400 downloads, which is I'd have to put it on a, on a free promo on Amazon, or I would have to um, list it on one of these sites, uh, it certainly would cost me more than three pounds, which is what, about five, six dollars. To get those 400 downloads. And of course, what I need to see now is whether that gives me a kickback on my other book. So 400 people will download it for free. You know, how, how many will actually read the thing? And of the ones who read it, who will like it enough then to go on and buy books? And this is what I don't know about Kobo. I'll have to figure all this out as we go along, but I'll I'll let you know. But I'm, I'm happy with that three pounds. 400 books. That feels good to me. I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, that was a waste of time. I think that was a very low punt in terms of expenditure to get rid of those 400 books. And remember, I've got, I think it's six or seven thrillers uh, listed on Kobo at the moment. I'm just going to count them up. I wish I could remember how many books I've got. So I can never remember. Uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I got six books, but I got uh, eight buying options on Kobo at the moment so let's just see what it does for sales now I'm on another promo as well so I've got uh, what is the other thing I've got the don't tell Meg trilogy box set and that's literally just gone live and at the moment I've sold um, three trilogy box sets now with the trilogy box sets I'm not selling them at full price I've priced it down. Let me tell you what the the deal is on this promotion. It's quite low, actually. I was quite surprised I priced it that low when I looked at it, but but I I really am. I just want to try Kobo. I want to see if there's any opportunity here. So I'm really going to thrash it for three months. And then at the end of the three months, I'll decide whether I'm going back into KDP Select or not. So I need to really be thrashing everything. Um, So with this promo, this was a different one. It's a Summer Beach Reads promo. You had to put a box set in and it had to be promotionally priced at $3.99 or below. Now, to be honest with you, I'm looking at that thinking, Joe, that's probably a bit daft, Paul. You probably should have priced that. You probably should have priced that a bit higher. So I've probably gone too low at 99. Yeah, it's probably a bit daft that. But um they wanted the price to be between 99 cents and 3.99. That's Canadian dollars. Uh And then uh how you pay for that is that you pay 10% of the royalty rate. So I'm not making an awful lot. I think I'm making 45p per book on those but again I really I just want my books at this stage to be discoverable within the Kobo infrastructure because my past experience has been I've I've listed uh never listed my thrillers on on Kobo I've only ever had my sci-fis on Kobo and they just sat there because I had no mechanism I had no idea of how to promote those books then and I sold a couple of copies but no one ever really found them so really my game here is Is trying to get in some charts, trying to get my books feeding through Kobo's infrastructure to just see if that could generate some more um, ongoing sales. So, you know, these are loss leaders. It's sausage on a stick time, as far as I'm concerned, because I just want to try everything, get a sense for the pricing and all of that. Now, the other fascinating thing with this has been, and and if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I've always... Bemoan the fact that I've not been able to list on Kobo because Kobo gives you this brilliant purchase activity map and it shows you where you're selling your books all around the world. And I've heard Joanna Penn talking about this on her podcast. But I've had technical problems in the past with Kobo, and I've listed books. I think I, I can't remember how I've processed the books, but I always had uh, visual problems that I wasn't happy with. I couldn't fix them in Kobo, so I just gave up and put them through Draft the Digital, where it seemed to work. But because I'm using Vellum now, this is the first time I've managed to list natively, directly on Kobo. And it's actually made me think that I maybe ought to try it with with iBooks and Barnes and & Noble um, as well now. I, I I do it already on Google Play because Google Play is easy to list on. Um, now, so one of the great things about this is, is the visuals. I love the visuals in Kobo. So you can see what all your sellers are. I can see I've sold um, 396 um, copies or given away 396 copies of One Fatal Error. We've got six copies of the Don't Tell Mel, Meg uh, box set gone so far. And then you get this lovely map and you can see where you're selling copies. Now, this is absolutely brilliant. Um, I love this. This this could become addictive because I found out that I'd sold a book this week on an island, which is just off Australia, called Van, Vanuatu, I think it's called. And I'd never even heard of it. Um but I've I've sold on Fiji this week. I've sold a book, not sold. I've given away one for free on the Solomon Islands. You know, New Zealand, Australia. We're used to. Here's the other thing that's surprising. I've always heard that Kobo was great for Canada. 199 of my books of that 396 have been sold in Canada this week. 199. So you sell most books, or I am selling most books, or getting rid of most free books. I should qualify in Canada at the moment. So the US is 41 books, Canada, 199. A very interesting skew there. Uh, Other countries I've sold in, Brazil, uh, Kenya, Ethiopia. This is just amazing. Zimbabwe, uh, 14 sold in South Africa, five in Nigeria. This is addictive. One in Pakistan, one in Oman, uh five in india now you know what i feel about india i want to be selling in india so that that's been fantastic i never sell in india unless i'm i well the only time i have sold in india is when i did that last book bum and i made it available throughout the world that's the only time i ever kind of registered in india and then of course there's there's copies all over europe and there's a couple of we've got some interesting ones here we've got one in sweden one in estonia it's absolutely fascinating that map Uh, i love it i really love it so um uh, initial indications are with Kobo, very interesting. I'll have a better idea next week when this box set sale has, has had longer to establish itself because that's a, that's a selling situation. But I, I can see already I, I should have, I've gone too low with that box set. I, at, you know, I, I, when I, it in a couple of weeks ago. didn't know anything that was going on, but having seen how many of the sales I'm making in Canada and knowing that you can price higher in Canada, I should have gone in at maybe at 299 or 199. 0.99 was a bit low for this one. So, you know, lesson learned for next time. I maybe could have made a little bit more money out of that, but I am very much just trying this out for size, uh, but it feels good. It feels It feels really nice to be shifting that number of books for such a, a low amount of money. And we'll see how Tobo goes. Now, interestingly, I say I've just been to Peterborough overnight for a podcast mastermind uh, class. This is to do with this course that I paid for, which... Was expensive, and it, I get great value for it. Don't <laughs> you know? But I, I probably shouldn't have paid that money at that given time. I thought I'd. That's, we won't go into that anyway. But whatever, whatever. That's why I was at the podcast masterclass, uh, which is great, by the way. Learning lots of stuff there, meeting lots of great people, having some really good conversations as you do at mastermind uh, groups. And because I was on the train, I got lots of listening time for podcasts. So I decided as I'm on Kobo, I went to, I don't usually listen to the Kobo podcast. I think um, I listened to it for the first time because I wanted to listen to Rachel Amphlett's interview uh, a week or two ago. And I thought, oh, this is good. Quite like this. I'll put this on the feed. And then actually, before I went to my journey, when I was learning, um, loading up the podcast to listen to, I went through the whole Kobo feed and selectively downloaded the ones I was particularly interested in, mainly about how to get the best out of pricing for free, you know, what the strategies of the big performers on Kobo. So I was just boot camping Kobo basically just to try and get as many tips and learn as much as I, as I possibly could uh, on the train. And um, one of the interesting things was they were talking about, they had a couple of the sort of geeky guys on from Kobo talking about EPUBs. And they were talking about the the best way to create your EPUBs. And Vellum is what they say, that they they were just, I think Vellum was the most highly rated way of creating your EPUBs for Kobo. They had other things there. They were saying, um, you know, Readsies tool, draft the digital they're all fine. But they actually put Vellum as the number one tool and saying how impressed they were with it. And, um, you know, just, and you know, you've heard me say this week after week after week, but this is the thing. Vellum is the thing that's helped me to move on to Kobo. When I was hand coding, um, HTML coding myself, when I started this Lark, I tried everything. I tried everything to get things in Kobo. The only way I could do it in the end was going through a syndication service like Draft the Digital, which I didn't want to do. But now I'm on Vellum. I uploaded the EPUB. That's, yeah, Vellum creates a special Kobo EPUB. It creates a special... Google, Play, EPUB, it produces files that are specifically for each platform. That It's removed that whole headache, an entire headache. So um, this has opened up Kobo for me, um, uh, which I'm delighted about. And it was really great to hear their technical guys. These are the guys who deal with all the problems that people have with EPUBs. They were saying Vellum is the thing they're most impressed with as a tool to create. So and I keep going on about it. Incidentally, if you look at my Twitter feed, you will see Patrick Sheriff on there. Patrick is a regular listener to the show, and uh, Patrick uh, tweeted me this week to say, um, "You know, thank you for just keep going on and on and on about Vellum." Uh, Patrick's used it uh, for his own books, and I think he's actually he's actually using it as part of a deal he's doing for somebody, producing a book um, to, t- because it's so easy to format. He, he, I think he set aside an afternoon, he set aside a load of time to learn it, and he said it took him ten minutes. Ten minutes to learn Vellum, and then he's like a convert straight away. So that's not just me saying it; that's that's Patrick saying it. Incidentally, um, I, I try. I, I, I know I'm quite geeky, but I I you won't hear me recommend stuff like I do Vellum um, unless I really feel that for you know a lot of people uh, it, it's really good, and I, and by that I mean people who also struggle with tech. And my my wife resisted me for ages with password managers. Um, and, and I, and she'd keep losing passwords and I'd say, well, use LastPass, use LastPass, use LastPass. And she ignored me for ages. And then, you know, finally in a, an act of desperation because she'd lost yet another password and couldn't get into account. And I was there saying, you know, I, I know you're going to hate me for telling you this, but use LastPass. And, um, so, um, she did use LastPass. She bit the bullet because, you see, the thing is, is when you use you, A new tool, it always comes with a learning curve. You've you've got to or you've always got to push through the learning curve. But look at the time that you save when you push through the learning curve. And LastPass is the same. LastPass is what I use for my password management. I constantly see people losing passwords, wasting time, uh, trying to reset and figure out where it is. And they've got them all scribbled on little diaries and bits of paper and things I like tell, Oh, for God's sake, it's the 21st century. Get yourself a password manager and do this thing properly. So I keep recommending LastPass. And anybody who has ever sort of listened to me and embraced it, including my wife, who was hugely resistant, um, they love it. It, and it sort of revolutionises their life. And now my wife is one of these horrible sort of gloating people like I am. When everybody's losing their password, saying, use a password manager, and, and she's become evangelical about it. So I try, I try not to recommend stuff that that is going to cause you a load of headaches. Uh, if you hear me really going on about something, I really mean it. You need to be on it. And, uh, vellum's one of those things. And I was really delighted to have Patrick sort of independently confirm that that's a good bit of, uh, advice to give. And then my, you know, last pass for password management, um, that my kind of wife, um, was very resistant to and now, and now loves. And, uh, you know, my wife's not a geek. She's a normal internet user she doesn't really care she doesn't care for the fuss and the nonsense you just want to get on with it you know but she even she, you know she even she's now evangelical about last part so I try and keep those big recommendations um, you know reasonable and accessible for everybody so it's been a good week uh on Kobo a very interesting week on Kobo and I I'll, I'll keep reporting to you on that because I I'm, I'm in for 3 months now uh you know I'm stuck um, and I was listening to um another of the Kobo podcast interviews about overdrive which is getting your books into libraries and that really interested me too that's why I'm um committed to Kobo for 3 months by the way because I've I've committed I'm, I'm sure it's overdrive I'm, I'm sorry there so many titles when you do this stuff and and I, I you know I've got a memory like a sieve I think it's overdrive. Let me just have a let me just have a look at the books and I'll tell you I'll tell you what I've done with it. Um rights and distribution. Oh no, it's sorry, it's co I have put it in overdrive, but it's Kobo Plus that you're stuck with for 3 months. So Kobo Plus is this kind of monthly subscription program. This is I want to be in this. This is why I've got to commit to Kobo for 3 months because by pushing my books through the sales, I'll get more visibility and I want to see if people, if, if Kobo Plus works like KDP Select does, where I kind of get, you know, people will, who are on Kobo Plus will then see my books and access them, and read through them, that's kind of what I'm playing for in this three months, and that's why I'm happy to put my books, um, you know, for a lower price, because this is a visibility game on Kobo, I want to be seen, I just want to get some action on an outlet that is not, Amazon and, and you know see if there's anything to play for on Kobo so I'm really boot camping Kobo at the moment And to be honest with you so i on for three months I want to get the um I want to get somebody on from Kobo to do a little boot camp on it actually and sort of you know look at my look at what I've got and advise me and you know critique it that would be quite handy wouldn't it i me make a note of that now you know I've got a memory like a sieve but um I think that'd be quite handy wouldn't it because they're doing a lot of good things in there And, um, what else was I just, when you listen to Kobo, it's actually quite good to listen to their podcasts. I'm not so interested in the author ones, but I am very interested in the, how to make Kobo work for you. Certainly at the moment, those are the ones I'm interested in. And you could just pick through the feed and just download the ones you're interested in. Um, and I was listening to one about Overdrive too, and it's really kind of inspired me. And they, I think, what do they call it? The other site or the other service they call it, something like that, which they mean Amazon, obviously. They're not there. To, to knock Amazon all the time. But you 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 hear an alternative worldview on Kobo. And that alternative worldview is you know about going wide, is about not getting shafted by Amazon. See, I, I again I think I've told you this story before, but when I was an internet marketer, I I learned the importance of not building or not making your business dependent on other platforms because we built a software around Facebook, and to be fair, it was just a small project at first, and, and we probably should have just left it as a small project. It was a small project. It was it was a brilliant bit of software. It, um, you, you used to be able to do amazing things on Facebook pages in, in about two thousand and. Nine, 2010, it's a long time. When I talk to people now, no one even has a clue what I'm talking about, but they used to be brilliant um, for internet marketing. And I came up with a lovely, neat little solution. It was, it was perfect um, in that it solved a huge problem for internet marketers at the time. Uh, and it was, and it was great. And I probably should have left it there, but instead I, I kind of scaled it up and put more money into it. And, and then uh, as they do, Facebook changed the rules. They changed the size of a, Uh, They used to call it a landing page on a Facebook uh, business page. Most of you won't have ever even heard of that, Uh, but uh, they were brilliant things and you could customize them and do all sorts of cool things with them. And then without warning, they just suddenly changed all the rules. And I remember at that point, uh, I think we made the change, but I remember thinking at that point, all right, okay, I get this. Uh, we 're just completely vulnerable to what facebook wants wants to do If Facebook decides to change the page size they don 't even tell me about it beforehand. They just do it, and then I have to either cough up the money to to keep my software working to make the changes um, or I have to stop the product and I learned that lesson um you know through experience with Facebook, so I know i 've got a personal experience i 've learned this lesson that you shouldn't put all your eggs into one basket. So I put all my eggs into the Facebook basket and it was great for a little while, but. Um, Facebook's like a petulant child, they throw their toys out of the pram, and Amazon's the same, if Amazon suddenly decides that um uh, they're, they're not going to pay us, or they're going to pay us 10% royalties, um that's it, if they change the page read system, that's it, and, and they could make and break businesses overnight, and I know that, I have all people should have learned that lesson, so as I'm listening to the Kobo, and listening to this alternative worldview that you get when you listen to the Kobo podcast. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I know this. Yeah, I know this. I need to do this. I know this stuff. So um I hope I can make Kobo work for me over over three months. I hope I could do something because I I am predisposed and you know, I'm what I might what I might end up doing, for instance, because I've got quite a lot of books now, is keeping some books exclusive in Amazon, but having other books wide on Kobo and, and, and iBooks and all the others. That's what I may end up doing. That feels like slightly safer to me. So the other thing I want to do is I want to sell my books directly through my site. And I'm going to do that through, this is one of my summer holiday projects. I'm going to do that through Payhip uh, and and I'll use Bookfuddle to deliver the books in the right format. So I got all these sort of things planned and being wide is, is one of the things I'm kind of philosophically signed up to. But the thing is, you see, it's like crack, isn't it? it you know, you, you, go to Amazon, um, you know how much income it brought in me being on an exclusive book bub with, with Amazon. I suspect I, I won't make anywhere near that, uh, when I'm wide. And, and, you know, it, so if, if Amazon makes me money now, then that's where I go to graze. That's where I go to feed. And it's very hard to take that moral high ground when you just want to make some cash, you know, to get some of your cash back for your covers and your editors and things like that. You want some decent income in, not some, you know, mediocre fits and starts kind of income. Uh, And that's how Amazon gets us, unfortunately. And and I'm, you know, what would I rather do? Make whatever I'm going to make on this thing, a couple of hundred maybe, uh, when I go wide. Or would I rather make 6 7000 like I did last time well of course I'd rather make 6 or 7000 of course I would and that's how amazon gets us so anyhow we'll see I I'm going to I'm going to give them all a good thrashing over these 3 months when I'm I'm committed to being wide and then I'll review and you'll hear it on this podcast diary of course I'll let you know all you know all the bits the pieces the how much I make the, the what works what doesn't work all of that stuff you'll hear it on this podcast diary um, I just wanted to mention, I've got lots of bits and pieces for you this week, uh, Lucy Branch it, it contacted me, I think it was through Twitter, and if you remember last week, I was saying that I'd, I'd created this six pack of books on Book Cover Zone, and I paid something like $60 for it, now the, the way I'd done it is, as I, I hadn't had a cover made, I'd gone on to their kind of book cover maker, which is a a sort of online service and I'd customized the cover that they were selling. Uh, but Lucy, uh, contacted me to say that she'd had a bad experience with book cover zone. I think she'd sort of paid to have a cover made. And I think that's still a pending bad experience. I, it's not been resolved yet. So I felt sort of duty bound having recommended them last week and, and said what a great experience I'd had. Um, to just flag up what Lucy had mentioned to me. Now, as I say, I'd done it on a, I'd paid sixty dollars. I got instant access to the customization of my cover, so what I had done was was different to what Lucy had done. I think Lucy had ordered a bespoke cover um so do differentiate the services, but I felt sort of you know duty bound to just pass on that bad experience with book cover zone um I think it's a sort of an ongoing um you know sort of dispute money paid work not done kind of dispute so uh, j- just be aware of that and and use a bit of due diligence with book cover zone. Uh, i wanted to mention john cronshaw's uh podcast and his new book in actual fact so i'm always recommending stop booking around which is john's well john's got what, three podcasts now um he, and um so you you give me a run for my money john i'm not going to three i think that shows exceptional enthusiasm for the medium so i i won't be going to three though i haven't said that john i was sitting on the train today and i did have another podcast idea but no i'm not i'm not gonna do it not no not yet but John's doing three podcasts now, but Stop Booking Around is the one for people who listen to this podcast, especially that it's about writing, overcoming procrastination, all the kind of barriers that we experience as writers. And John has actually, um, done the book of the podcast, which is very clever and something I should have done long ago, but haven't. Uh, but John has created a book around his podcast. It's called Stop Booking Around. By the time you hear this, I'm really sorry, but, um, the timing isn't quite right. This was available for free and I got my free copy of it and John said, would you give it a mention? But it unfortunately got to be after... The, um, last week's diary was recorded. So this is the first opportunity I've had to tell you about it. Um, but it, I highly recommend it. It's available, uh, on Kindle. Uh, presumably, um, at the moment it's just saying Kindle on my screen. John, I'm assuming it'll come out in, um, yeah, it is going to come out in audio and presumably a paperback at some point too. Um, but highly recommended. Listen to the podcast, read the book, um, loads of, Great advice in there, and what I really like at the moment is we've got uh, so many people sort of doing podcasts. John's doing podcasts, Claire's doing podcasts, uh, Tim's doing podcasts, and and we're all doing different stuff. So I'm listening to these podcasts, uh, you know, getting a different worldview, getting different tips, um, and I know I know the others often tune into my podcast too. So we could all very happily coexist and all teaching uh, new things and new tricks and techniques so uh, highly recommended stop booking around uh, you know particularly if um, particularly particularly if you've not written your first book yet and you're really struggling or you really struggle to get the writing done and you need that proverbial kick up the butt to get it done there's loads of really kind of practical stuff that John does in that and it's on my my weekly listening list in fact I was listening to it at Newcastle railway station this week John in the costas there while enjoying a cup of tea and a toasty. So, um, what else have I got to tell you? Oh, yes, we did um an interesting interview. My podcast's crossed over this week. So we interviewed Suki Jutler, who you may have heard on Joanna Penn's podcast. So Suki is an author. And um, but I was talking to well, I say I, I was using the Royal we, Alison and I, uh Alison Ingleby and I were interviewing Suki as part of our crypto podcast. Now, the, the the two podcasts have crossed here because Suki is an author and she's got involved with a blockchain project called Publica. And uh, Publica basically is putting books on the blockchain. And and, and just to sort of go straight to the heart of what will interest you about this, I don't want to over geek you with this. This is not a crypto blockchain podcast. But from an author's point of view, you get 90% of royalties. And because your book exists on the blockchain, when you publish your book, you can say, okay, 90% of royalties when I make a sale. And then when somebody sells that ebook secondhand, I want to get 20% of whatever they sell it for and you can code that into the blockchain so that you can actually make money whenever that book is resold or passed on. Um, which is amazing, so uh, that's me going straight to the heart of what's going to interest you as an author, uh, forget all the blockchain bit, you know that's the technology bit, but so anyhow we did this interview with Tsuki. Uh, it ran on Wednesday, so if you look up Crypto News Podcast, it's not one of these, you know we don't do geeky on on this crypto podcast, it's all about making it accessible to people who don't really know much about it, um, but I am actually going to drop a, set, a, de- a different cut into this feed, um I'm away on holiday in a couple of weeks' time. I say I'm away on holiday, I'm away, and I won't have time. I'm sort of away on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so I'm going to have to pre-record a podcast diary. So what I will do is I, I'm going to drop, I'm going to do a shorter diary, and then I'm going to drop a kind of um, a more author-oriented cut remix of that po- that podcast interview into this feed into the diary feed so that'll be coming up in August sometime but if you're really keen and you just want to jump in and, and hear it then uh, crypto news look for Suki Jutler's uh, interview it's really interesting and uh, because you know Suki's uh, an author as well as um, an early adopter you know she's very 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 interested and she's very very tied down on the author side of it so don't think of it as a crypto blockchain interview it is very much an interview for authors Alison and I could have sat there all night asking authorly questions it was that it was really interesting and um, so we're post GDPR now thank goodness and I last weekend spent some time working on my emails so um, I have now gone through MailerLite and I went through all my automations last weekend in MailerLite and and just made sure they were up to date. Uh, you know, made sure that well, just made sure everything was up to date, that links were working, just retweaking things. So um this is my post-GDPR work. So I've had a lot of my automations switched off. And then this weekend, I, I'm gonna add some sort of new emails. I went through the old ones, deleted ones that were no longer relevant, just made sure what's there is fresh. And then this weekend. And I'm, I'm intending to just, um, add some new emails to my automation sequences. And then, um, all of my kind of opt-in forms, uh, on my websites, so I deliver them through something called Thrive Themes. Thrive Themes. Now, um, hi- highly recommended. I, I, I actually, so Thrive Themes have lots of really cool marketing products that, that you just plug into your WordPress sites. So you've got to be on WordPress to use it. And, um, I just buy everything they sell. I just buy it because they're brilliant. Um, and, I um the pro- the particular product that I've that I'm working on this weekend is Thrive Leads and what they do um with Thrive Leads is you can you can connect it directly with with MailerLite and Mailchimp and all the main uh, email marketing softwares it connects directly to those and it's what i use to make my nice forms on my websites now you won't see many examples of those at the moment because they're all disabled at the moment uh, while i'm doing my my post gdpr catch up work but um, i'll i'll let you know when they're all done which will probably be by this time next week uh, when you'll see all these nice forms that come in and it's all very clever stuff because with thrive forms you can say um you could you can set up these forms to say um, when somebody comes to my website for the first time, I want them to see the opt-in form, you know, get a free book. But for the next hundred days thereafter, when they come back to my site, I don't want them to see that. So I don't want them to be bothered by it every time they come on the site. Now, if you use MailChimp's version of that, it's really rubbish. You can only, it's rubbish. It comes in every time. It's horrible. You can't, um, you can only put uh, delay the timing on it. You can't say, um, don't show this, this opt-in form for, uh, you know, 20 days. I want it. I don't, I don't want people to see it for the next 20 days. Whereas Strive Themes is just a beautiful marketing tool, but it's not for the faint hearted. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but it's not for the, if you're a beginner with all this stuff, don't touch it. Uh, but if you're pretty confident zipping around WordPress, you know how to install plugins and you know how to connect, to, uh, you know, a, a service like MailChimp uh to get the API key out. This is not it's not rocket science any of this. It's all very easy nowadays. Uh, but if, if when I'm telling you that, that doesn't make your eyes glaze over, um, then then do check out Thrive Themes. But in particular, the the bit I'm using is Thrive Leads. It's a very intelligent uh, and customizable um, sort of leads gathering service. And um, I've had it disabled on my sites for a little while. Um, I haven't been building my list proactively, uh, but I am going to be um, when I've got this work done, hopefully over this weekend. The other thing I did, by the way, um, over last weekend is I went through Book Funnel and I went through uh, insta freebie i've started paying for those services again again, I stopped them because of gdpr uh, I know that insta freebie have done some tests and they're finding out though they've found out that uh, things go better when they don 't force opt ins so I just wanted to wait with insta freebie to make sure that they were gdpr compliant and make sure I was happy with that the same with book funnel um, they've both done a good job of it they've they've embraced it properly so again i'm going um i I signed up for a free promo. Um, with Book funnel. I haven't done anything with it this week because I've just been too busy this week recording and processing, uh, podcast episodes and, and going to masterminds and things like that. So, um, I'll catch up with it over the weekend. Um, but I'm sort of, I'm, I'm list building again, basically. I, I turned it off pre GDPR, got my terms and conditions GDPR, GDPR compliant, did some learning about it. Um, I have kind of got some ways of getting email addresses, but I'm not really forcing that. And I need to get back to that. I need to start building back up my, my, my email list again. So, Hopefully after this weekend, that will be done. You've heard me, uh, talking about, uh, you know, I'm kind of taking t- time off. I'm still working, obviously, but I'm doing other things over summer and, and I'm really focusing on my business over summer. And, uh, I posted on social media this week and I've put the photograph on the show notes for this pay, uh, this week, um, that I, I've got lots of summer reading. So I've bought also Brian Cohen's sizzling synopsis. So th- the books I've kind of got to my right hand side here. Um, for, this is the learning part of what I want to do over summer. I've got Brian Meeks Mastering Amazon Ads. I've got Chris Fox's Plot Gardening, Launch to Market, Relaunch Your Novel, Six Figure Author, um, Write to Market. I've got Brian Cohen's Sizzling Synopsis. I've got Help My Facebook Ads Suck. And I've got The One Thing, which I, I need to finish as well. So. A whole line of books there that I am reading to get my head you know back in the right zone to be marketing to be thinking about whether the books need uh the blurbs need redoing i was listening i uh, can 't remember what I was listening to doing a lot of listening at the moment um very specifically to podcasts which deal with my pain points and I was just listening to Brian Cohen on one the other day. Oh, I know what it was. It was the Mark Dawson. These are excellent, by the way. It was Mark Dawson's review. They, um, they've done Dave Behrens and they did Helena Harm this week. They do a review of covers and the editing. And what's the other thing they do? Covers, editing and blurbs. And, um, I was listening to Brian on that and thinking, Oh, I just got to buy Brian's book. And, uh, cause I've actually paid Brian to do some blurbs for me in the past, but I thought I'd buy his book and I'd, I'd revisit my blurbs as well. Cause I want to see his formula, get the hang of his formula as well. Um, so I'm just putting myself right in the zone. And today, as I'm recording this, we are now officially in UK summer holiday mode. So this is me. Uh, the book's written. It was supposed I was going to finish it today, but this is me now in summer holiday mode. So everything that takes place certainly over the next six weeks is all about marketing, business, not writing, not editing, but it's about marketing business you know, doing the things that I was saying that I needed to do a couple of weeks ago when I had that kind of, um, you know, crisis of confidence with things. That's what I'm focusing on, uh, for certainly for the next uh, six weeks. And uh, to say that p- picture of those books is on the resources page for this week. I just wanted to mention uh, another listener to the show, uh, Nathan Burrows. And uh, Nathan, uh, when I start re-recording in October, I must get you on. I can't We must, we must have had a conversation about this. Uh, but I must get you on to the uh, to the podcast as a guest. Um, but Nathan and I, you know, like so many of you, thank you very much for having exchanges on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and wherever you like to hang out, always having exchanges with people. And um, I've been having a couple of conversations with Nathan. The first one is, is that Nathan said that he'd submitted his book um, for the Richard and Judy contest, which I'd done. And, uh, and we've been joking about it. I'm sort of saying, you know, I'll see you on the shortlist. And, and, all of those kind of jokes. And, um, of course, we could, we both got our knockback this week. So the, the shortlist came out and Nathan and I weren't on it. So, um, you know, we, I was making jokes with Nathan about it. They're, they're like the people who turned down the Beatles, you know, and said they'll never go anywhere. Uh, they've just missed a huge chance. But anyway, you know, I said when I submitted it to Richard June, it's not going anywhere, but I, I wanted to do it for the sake of it and the principle of it, really, because this is the first year you could do it as a, as an indie author. And I just happened to have a book that was completely unpublished at the time. So it was completely safe to submit to to Richard and Judy. It met all the criteria. Um, So I wanted to get that in. But anyhow, um, that's a by the by. That's just the Richard and Judy update thing. Uh, But Nathan has had a book bub. And, um, I just had asked him about the book bub and said, would you be happy to share your figures? And, um, and Nathan has, and I wanted to share those figures with you. So, uh, Nathan's had an international book bub. Um, and this is something I haven't done yet. And, and, and I've been a bit, um, nervous of it, to be honest with you. But Nathan got an international book bub on a 99 cents, 99 pence deal. So this was for a reduced price book bub for his, for his, uh, book, Blind Justice. Um, so. And he shared his figures with me. I thought you'd be interested to hear these. So Blind Justice, uh, certainly at the moment, is a standalone. So, so Nathan doesn't have a trilogy. And, and you'll know that I've said to you, I wouldn't touch Bookbub with a standalone. Because, um, and remember, I'm not, I haven't done a 99 cents, 99 pence deal yet. So, um, I might consider it actually based on the numbers that Nathan's given me, but only because I have a trilogy. I would not put anything onto Bookbub, not at that price. This is my personal advice, not even advice. This is my personal experience. I'm not going to give you advice. This is my personal experience that I would not touch BookBub with a standalone book. I would only do BookBub at that price because I've got books in a series that people um, buy when when they're in a BookBub. So anyhow, that's by the by. So here's Nathan's numbers. Uh, Total number of downloads was 875 in one week. So that's interesting. Compare that to my 400. Uh, free downloads no making no money out of that my I, I got 400 or so far I've got 400 free downloads on Kobo for three pounds so I'm just trying to help you to to work out what's going to work for you here and um, Nathan got 875 downloads in one week of discount and he says that he he's pretty much broken even so his estimated income from that book bub is 260 pounds which pretty well was the cost of the book bub Okay, and he did stack some promos elsewhere. So he did. That's a sensible thing to do. Promo stacking. I think I meant. Yeah, I mentioned that last week. And if you look at the resources page from last week, there's a really great article there on what promo stacking is. Um, so uh, what Nathan is saying is that I've pretty well broken even, you know, here or thereabouts, uh, and he's not impressed with it. <laughs> he's not impressed. Uh, so that's very interesting. The other thing he said uh, that Google Play didn't discount enough. The price of the dashboard, on, on Nathan's dashboard, was set to 99 cents, but they left it at £1.19. So uh, on the site, BookBub didn't run it. Okay. Now, I've said this about Google before. If you remember, um, Google are crazy. You've got to set your book price high on Google because they will discount it without without ever talking to you. They'll just do what they want with it. So if you set it, you know, at two ninety nine, they'll discount it to ninety you know, ninety nine cents, ninety nine pence. So the advice I always got on Google Play was just price it at four ninety nine, five ninety nine, and by the time they've messed around with the price without asking you, you'll get something closer to what you'd like to get for that that book. So um Nathan's come a cropper with that kind of crazy Google Play. They've got to get that. I mean, you know, um, if it's some consolation. Uh, Google have been rubbish at podcasts and they've just released now a a podcast app, um, which shows hopefully that they're getting serious about podcasts now. And they need to do the same with books. They need to get on top of books. It's a real half assed effort with their books, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, And you, you just can't do this with pricing. You know, Nathan, this is not a business model. Nathan needed that to be 99 cents. This is his business. If he says it needs to be 99 cents, it needs to be 99 cents. Um, you know, you can't operate a business like that. Um, so uh, so I feel your pain with that Nathan. I feel your pain because it's, it's going to be something that I'm going to come a cropper with and it, it, when I have to price mine down to zero uh, in a week or two's time. Um, so listen to this. Barnes & Noble, two copies sold. Two copies. Barnes & Noble, they're dead in the water, guys. All right. It, what's it going to take? It's gonna take a resurrection to get Barnes and Noble back again, but two copies, that's how well that business is doing. Uh Kobo. Now um so you see now this is I take solace in this. Kobo 154, Apple 138. So there is a market on Kobo and Apple. But this is what I said to you. Um this is why I'm jittery about my my free one. Uh, I because I just oh, it's actually it's made me more jittery now. Um because I remember mine's free at least Nathan had a way of getting his money back here the only way I've got of making my money back on mine is on buy throughs. So that's how i make my money if I make any money so you know I'm I'm this is not me being false modest or anything like that when I tell you I might not even break even on this next book bub uh, because I've gone wide Um, you know, and this is, but this is why, this is also why I'm trying to get things going on Kobo at the moment. So I've got some place in the infrastructure by the time I, I get to my promo, I got other books, hopefully that are, you know, look like they've, they've, they've done something on Kobo. We've got some sales and maybe some reviews because at the moment I've got nothing on Kobo. So it's, um, so, so Nathan wasn't impressed, but, um, I got to tell you, you know, what it did do for you, Nathan, and I've, uh, um, I've got the screenshot on the, on the page, on the resources page this week is, Uh, this is a kind of a screenshot that money can't buy so it got Nathan to number eight in the charts I think that's the thriller charts Nathan apologies if I got that wrong Um, and Nathan uh, at number seven is John Grisham with the rooster bar and at number nine is Michael Connolly with the right the wrong side of goodbye and right in between there is debut author Nathan Burroughs so, I mean, you know, that is a screenshot. Well, done, not forget the screenshot, Nathan. A screenshot that money can't buy. John Grisham and Michael Connolly, and right in between them is Nathan Burroughs. And I think Nathan, yes, they did. John Grisham and Michael Connolly. I know it, won't be there, it probably won't be there individually, but I think their channels also um, kind of um, uh, retweeted that or liked it or something like that. Uh, interesting to see that um, you, Nathan, have got better reviews on your book than John Grisham has. Uh, John Grisham's is about three and a half, which is very interesting on the rooster bar, whereas Nathan Burrows has five stars on his. And you're even beating Michael Connolly, who's only got four and a half. So uh, maybe they should be coming to you for advice, Nathan. But uh, thanks ever so much for sharing all that data. Um, you know, and anybody who's got that kind of data and is happy for me to share the numbers. Um, it, I think it's educational for all of us when we share the numbers and we share the money because it helps us to make informed judgments. But, you know, my, my bottom line on that is, you know, Nathan, Nathan was disappointed. You know, you're disappointed because you've shifted a lot of books, more books than you could ever shift. You've got that wonderful screenshot, you know, you've got action on Kobo and Apple, but you know, really does it move the needle on? And this is, this is always my frustration. I know you can, you've got to celebrate the wonderful things that happen, but my frustration always is it doesn't move the needle particularly uh, in any way uh, going forward. And so I am, I'm nervous about this book, bub. I am, I'm, I'm officially nervous uh, about making my money back on this next book, bub. So I will, I will let you know that right now. It's um yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about the going wide bit with with the promo. Okay. Uh nearly done now. So I just wanted to say uh hello to Edward Downwood again, who's I'm not quite sure where you are there, Edward. My my um my eyesight is so bad I, I was trying to work out what was written on the door but uh, edwin's going somewhere but he was on his way uh getting ready to listen to self-publishing journeys were you just leaving work or something like that were you out the door and plugging in your podcasts maybe and um i just also wanted to mention uh amelia d hay who's who's um sent a lovely shot of um listening to paul's podcast diary on an airplane flight it was a flight from london to perth and um Amelia's got uh, this a really beautifully set up shot uh, with I can't see whether that's an iPhone or not whatever it is but your smartphones there and, and you can see Paul's podcast diary is on the screen and then to the right hand side is uh, uh, one of these small bottles of wine that you get on a plane um, and it's obviously in the process of being drunk now I don't know whether that means that it's you're best listening to Paul's diary through a drunken stupor Amelia or, or whether you were just like sampling the enjoy the, the wine in a in a cultured way while you were listening to uh, Paul's podcast diary, but I did say to Amelia, can I use that for a promo shot because it's a it's beautifully set up with the you know the wine and the the aeroplane table and the and the picture of the phone so. Thank you very much, Amelia. It's like, um, and i my apologies. I forgot who sent it to me now. There's a shot I use on Twitter for pr- promotion where somebody had, had got their Bluetooth device connected to their radio. And you can see on the radio screen, it looks really cool. It's a really cool radio console. It's got Paul's podcast diary on it. And I use that as one of my promos too. So, um, if you, if you set up a beautiful shot like that, then, um, I'll ask your permission to use it in my promos. And I also, uh, I put the, uh, your Twitter handle on it too. I'll always sort of, you know, spread the love with it as well but um, when you get a lovely shot like that Amelia got to use that for promotion so thank you very much for giving me permission to use that uh, photograph okay that's it for Paul's podcast diary for this week I must mention before I go that those of you who are Patreon supporters there are now three exclusive videos in Patreon uh, with me showing you how to do different things now um I I asked uh Pip, I asked the other day. I said, well, "Are you getting notifications when I'm releasing these?" And Pip said, "No." So I raised a help desk ticket in Patreon and said, "How how do my Patreon supporters how do they know when I've uh, when I've released new content?" And in the help desk, they said, "Oh, they have to have their settings so that they they get your updates whenever you do a new post. They have to change their Patreon settings, and then they'll get an automatic update." So if you are a Patreon supporter. Can you please just check your Patreon settings and make sure you've got them ticked so that whenever I create a new post, you get a notification because I am going to be putting more and more of those videos in there as I move towards um, doing more with Patreon. And Interestingly, one of the topics at my podcast mastermind yesterday was Patreon, how to use Patreon and and things that you can do in Patreon. So this is why I've joined this podcast mastermind because you get best practice and great ideas from that. Um, so I am going to be putting more in Patreon, creating more value there if you are a follower. Um, so please uh, just check your settings. And the other thing I will do uh, and this is something on my kind of to-do list and I'm not quite sure when I'll get to it but I will make a video showing you how to do that at some point. So, you know, click this, do this, click this and you'll you'll get all the notifications but as I am going to be adding more content in there now it makes sense for you to, to know when I'm doing it um, but apparently it's just in your settings. Okay, that's it for Pulse Podcast Diary. That is everything now. Um, No interview on Monday, remember, because we're on my summer interview break. The interviews will resume on the 1st of October. In the meantime, they're every first Monday of every month. So the first, what are we due on? Is it next week, a couple of weeks' time? The next interview is going to be due on Monday, the 6th of August. But the podcast diaries remain. They will be there every Saturday, like clockwork. So please tune in next Saturday for my next diary that's going to be Saturday the 28th of July have a great week of writing speak to you soon bye bye now thanks for listening to Paul's podcast diary make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days until then we hope you have a great week of writing